Good evening and welcome to another 14 words. Uh, yeah, you'll notice like a distinct lack of people <laughs> this week. It's just me on my own. Uh, yeah, so you got a solo in, in, episode with loads of stuttering and erms. Uh, yeah, enjoy people. Um, that's weird. I've gone down from seven to one. Okay, interesting. Right, let give me one sec. Um, I should have done this before because I should have realised that I was on my own. So I shall throw out a tweet. Uh, there we go. So everyone on Twitter knows that I'm live, and I shall open Telegram. And also, my dinner's going to be here in a minute, which is going to be quite funny because I'm going to have to try and eat and read. Uh, Uh, there we go, so that's me live. So that's it, everybody knows now. This is, like I say, this is going to be a rubbish episode. Hobbit is Hobbit is indeed away trucking. He's uh, he's off murdering prostitutes like uh, like uh, like like the Ripper who was on a who was on a previous episode of ours. Um, yeah, I was reading the latest fourteen times. Uh, this is June twenty twenty two. FT four one nine. Very interesting bit. Like um, I don't know whether you guys remember, but uh, a while ago we did uh, Oklahoma City. Um, this is <laughs> on his work laptop. Discord Discord is blocked. Otherwise, he'd join me. Well, you got a phone, didn't you, Ian? Um, yeah, so it's Dom, it's Dom around. Dom will, Dom will appear in a minute. He'll come and rescue me. He normally does. Um, so anyway, the latest, latest 14, I found a really um, interesting piece because we did uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. I thought I'd just do some sort of like recap like slash bits and bobs episode. Uh, so anyway, unhappy anniversaries. Anniversaries have a particular significance in the conspiracy sphere. It some, sometimes seems as if competing sects and conspiracists count time from different beginnings. So many years since JFK, so many years since 9-11 and so on. And sometimes anniversaries occur on anniversaries laying layered telescopy onto the complex numerology of deep events. Because I think 9-11 has got like loads of events. I'd come on but I know, fuck all, thanks North Heathen. Uh, one such I'll, I'll be alright. I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll manage to entertain you. Uh, one such date occurred recently on the 19th of April 1995. The Alfred Alfred P. Murrah Building in downtown Oklahoma City was ground zero for a terrorist attack. Uh, in the words of uh, Isaac Clarke in Dead Space, that was no terrorist attack. Um, <laughs> terrorist attack the worst at that point in US history 168 people lost their lives including 19 children and infants As an estimated 700 more were injured apart from the Murrah building a large complex of federal offices some 300 buildings in the city were damaged the bombing was carried out on a significant some might say ominous anniversary two years earlier 19th of April 1993 the branch Davidian compound in Waco Texas was destroyed by fire after a 51 day siege by FBI ATF uh, that's that's Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives and Police Forces. Again, the death toll was horrific. 75 people died in the inferno that raged through the compound, including 25 children. Uh, Waco probably does deserve its own episode because what went on was like, I don't know. I think it's more criminal than conspiratorial. Uh, definitely some ATF need to be upon some charges. Uh, since the events of 9-11, these two tragedies of perhaps faded from the public memory but in the conspiracy sphere they are still luminous with meaning 
with meaning. For some, they are merely poignant milestones in the history of deep, deep state tyranny. For others, they are bellwethers for the grandest false flag of them all. And for a dedicated few, they are the subject of investigations that continue to this day and continue to throw up new evidence and anomalies. Anomalies there certainly were. Strangeness was prevalent on the day of the Oklahoma attack and lingered at the site and in people and places connected to it for a long time afterwards. Some of the strangeness that took on a macabre touch of comedy, but in the main it was simply and only macabre. Uh, one story from the time which I was recently reminded of concerns legs. Doctors and surgeons working to treat the injured put out a peculiar message a few days after the attack. They treated eight people for traumatic amputations of the leg, i.e. The, leg, the legs had been blown off or severed in the blast. Uh, but they recovered a total of nine severed legs from the scene. To this day, the identity of the legs erstwhile owner has not been established. Now known as Jane Doe, the principal synodosh in action, the leg persists in an Oklahoman freezer, a rather grim parody of the 90s fashion for cryonics. Oh, me. Oh, um... Cryonics. Among the 168 listed fatalities, the strangest death is that of Mike Loudenslager. I pictured it left. Loudenslager was the security manager for the Murrah building. In the weeks leading up, up to the bombing, he was seen on a number, number of occasions arguing with the ATF officers who used the building as their headquarters. He claimed that they had brought a large amount of arms and munitions, which he said was illegal and presented presented a clear and present danger to the occupiers. A number of people reported that he had warned them to, to remove their children from the daycare centre in the building, thus at least re reducing the tragic number of young deaths. On the morning of the bombing, Loudon Slager was in court, less than half a mile away. He rushed to the scene to help rescue people. He was seen by multiple witnesses there. He was also seen arguing vehemently with men dressed in, in the apparel of ATF officers who had appeared after the bomb went off. Curiously, the ATF team had been absent from the building at the time of the explosion. On the Sunday after the bombing, which occurred on a Wednesday, Loudenslager was found dead at his desk on the first floor of the Murrah building. The official story at first was that he had died in the attack and his body had been overlooked. But as people came forward to say they'd seen him at the scene of the day, day of the bombing, his, the story changed. Loudenslager, it claimed, had returned to the building at some point between Wednesday and Sunday, sat at his desk, and had been killed by falling debris. More strangers at the scene, local doctor Don Chumley, who's, who ran a clinic close to the site, arrived quickly and began treating victims. During the morning, he was approached by men in ATF jackets, clearly, clearly uninjured, who asked him to apply bandages to them. Uh, fan too far away and too small to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we did a whole episode on it. Uh, Rock's very, very sceptical. Uh, where was it? The men at so, uh, refused saying he had real injuries. Yeah, so who asked him to apply bandages to them. He refused saying he had real injuries to deal with. Again, this incident was witnessed by a number of people. The men then approached another doctor at the scene with the same request. Chumley intervened and told them he would report them to the police if they didn't desist. Several months later, in September '95, Chumley, an experienced pilot, was flying a Cessna. This, this is where this is where it comes in. This is where it is, it's a companion piece to the um, to the Bill Clinton to the to the Clintons episode because Chumley, an experienced pilot, was flying a Cessna light aircraft. He asked air, air traffic control for permission to increase the altitude. 
uh, to increase the altitude. Oh no, dinner's here. Um, I'll go off to eat and talk. Uh, Chumley was an experienced pilot and was flying a Cessna light aircraft. He asked air traffic control for permission to increase altitude and as they talked his plane went into a sudden vertical nosedive and crashed. Crash investigators could find no mechanical reason for the accident uh, and Chumley did not appear to have suffered a heart attack or similar de debilitating problem. In all the number of mysterious deaths associated with the OKC bombing is estimated by some commentators to be as high as 30. The cases of police officer Terence Yeeke and Kenneth Trentadue are probably the most famous, but there are plenty of others. I don't have the space here for the numerology of the event. The numbers 19 and 34 feature heavily, but it's a phenomenon in its own right. Tragedy, it seems, particularly that caused by crime or terrorism, is a magnet for strangeness of many orders. Um, right, I'm going to have to find something to play you guys because I'm gonna I, I there's no way I can eat and talk. Uh, what do we got? Uh castle. Alternative energy. So this is um, this is something that Hobbit has put in here. Uh, right, turn that on. Uh, right, so put pop that in. Right, this might be a bit boring. I haven't even I haven't even checked it. Fundamentals of photovoltaics. Uh, probably that is probably a little bit. Oh, it's only a seven-minute video. Right, I'll put this on and I shall mute myself. Hello, everyone. Today we'll talk about doping, which is the process of intentionally adding impurities to a semiconductor in order to change its electrical properties. Doping is a critical process in the tech world. It's used in manufacturing almost all semiconductor technologies today. Without doping, the solar industry would not exist. But even though doping is common today, the effects of impurities confused semiconductor physicists in the 1950s, who had trouble reproducing results. Eventually, they realized that contamination levels as low as one in a billion were vastly changing the electrical properties of their samples. Today, we'll show you how this works with a very simple experiment. We'll be measuring the electrical conductivity of two silicon slabs using an ohmmeter. One is doped with impurities, phosphorus in our case, and the other is ultra-pure, or what we call intrinsic. Let's go over our experiment. We'll start with a slab of silicon, which we attach metal contacts to. We'll use an ohmmeter that we connect to our sample with metal wires to measure the conductivity. The conductivity describes how well electricity can flow through the material. The measured resistance from our ohmmeter is related to the inverse of the conductivity. The resistance also varies according to the physical size and shape of our sample, which adds a length over area term to our equation, like so. 
Rearranging this equation gives us what we're looking for, the conductivity. Let's measure our samples and estimate the conductivity. Here are two samples. Notice that the dope sample looks identical to the intrinsic one, or undoped sample. Because we've only added trace impurities, the optical properties are nearly identical between the two samples. Let's hook up the ohmmeter to the intrinsic sample. We can see that the resistance is 130,000 ohms, which roughly corresponds to a conductivity of two ten-thousandths inverse ohm centimeters. Let's compare this to the dope sample. We read a resistance of 34 ohms, which corresponds to roughly 0.6 inverse ohm centimeters. So we can see that the dope sample is around 3,000 times more conductive. But why would adding small amount of our dopant, about one phosphorus atom for every million silicon atoms, make our sample 3,000 times more conductive? On the periodic table, we see that silicon is in the fourth column, which means that it has four valence electrons. Phosphorus, which is just to the right in column five, has five valence electrons, one extra compared to silicon. I'd also like to point out boron in column three with one fewer valence electron than silicon. Later, I'll explain what happens when you add boron as a dopant. We'll start with a 2D representation of a... Before we get started, I have to clear up a little, little discrepancy here. Apparently the other night, or within the last week, because I've been getting a lot of email about this, and I even received one telephone call. Apparently somebody called the Alex Jones broadcast, and ask them, ask him why he didn't have me on the air, or ask him something about me. <coughs> Alex Jones said he had had me on the air once before, several years ago, and had to cut me off the air because of the foul language that I used. So on the air tonight, I'm going to tell you, Alex Jones, you are a bold-faced, miserable, stinking, little coward liar. Now let me say that again so there's no mistake about it. You can all tell Alex Jones that I said this, and I suspect he's listening because he does. Alex Jones, you are a bold-faced, stinking, rotten, little coward liar. I was only on the Alex Jones show one time. It was years ago when I didn't know who he was when I didn't uh, realize what a liar and a coward and a sensationalist bullshit artist that he is, he was on one little FM station down in Texas. He wasn't on all the stuff that he's on now. And I agreed to be on his broadcast. That's when I was doing guest appearances on broadcast years ago. I was not cut off. I did not use any kind of foul language whatsoever. He treated me very well, and I stayed on for the whole show. Some of you in Texas know that that's true because you heard the broadcast and you taped it. Later when I found out who Alex Jones was and what he was doing to the truth and how what a cowardly liar and sensationalist he really is, 
Every time he called me after that, I have always refused to appear on his broadcast. Absolutely refused to lend him any credibility whatsoever by appearing on his broadcast. And that made him very angry. I've also revealed him for the lying sensationalist bullshit artist that he is by every once in a while bringing to your attention the lies and the deceit and the rumors that he spreads over the airwaves that are not good for any of us, and they're not good for the nation. They are especially not good for militia and patriots. The most disgusting broadcast he ever did was on uh, New Year's Eve, the year 2000, the New Year's Eve, 1999, bringing in the year 2000, in which he went completely out of his mind and claimed that Russia had launched intercontinental ballistic missiles with multiple warheads at the United States of America and actually panicked millions of people who were putting their children and their belongings in their cars and heading for the hills. Now, there's lots of things that can be said about me. Nobody needs to lie about me. Sometimes I am irritating. Sometimes I absolutely will not suffer fools and am just as rude as I can be. Nobody has to lie about me, Alex Jones. So I suggest that the next time somebody calls your broadcast and asks them about me, you tell the truth. There's lots of truth that you can tell about me. But don't ever lie on me, buddy because I'll chop you off at your ankles. I will chew you up. I will spit you out for the lying, stinking, rotten little coward that you are. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all I have to say about Mr. Sensationalist, lying, rumor-mongering, bullshit artist, Alex Jones. Good evening. You're on the air. Yeah, hi, Mr. Cooper. Hi. Um, listen, that Alex Jones interview was directly after you published the Veritas, June 26, 1998 issue about the uh, Cooper family being targeted by the feds. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, and back was, in 1990. So did, he did he kick me off the air? No, he's a liar, and you pointed it out, and I heard that interview, and you were nothing but cordial. Yeah, well, that's the truth. That's <laughs> the truth. Thank you. Thank you, Virginia. Bye-bye. Alex Jones is a miserable, rotten, little, stinking, cowardly, bull-faced liar. <laughs> Boy, you know, all, all of these people ought to know better than to mess with me, because I don't take any crap from anybody. And if I'm not afraid of the whole machinations of the entire government Gestapo, what in the hell makes Alex Jones think that I would ever be afraid of his cowardly little rotten butt? Good evening. You're on the air. Yeah, Bill. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to let you know, I verify what you said about that Alex Jones interview. They had it archived on the Internet at one time, and I did hear that interview, and there was nothing wrong with what you did. And I wasn't thrown off the air, was I? Not a bit. No. And that's the only interview I ever did with Alex Jones. As soon as I found out what he was doing and who he really was, I he, he's called me back at least a hundred times since then, and I've always told him to take a hike. So anyway, thank you.
Hello everyone. Today we're going to learn how a solar cell is able to turn light generated mobile charges into electricity. Sure, we can begin. You... John yeah, Carpenter's 1988 opus, They Live, is a scathing indictment. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this very special presentation. My name is... John Carpenter's 1988 opus, They Live, is a scathing indictment of capitalism and the culture of greed masquerading as a B-movie about invading aliens. It stars professional wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper as a homeless laborer whose world is turned upside down when he finds a box of special sunglasses that allow the wearer to see the truth about subliminal messaging, forcing humanity to obey. It's one of Carpenter's greatest films, but grab a pair of Hoffman lenses for yourself to see the truth that even hardcore fans may not know about they live. H.P. Lovecraft, Ray Nelson, and Richard Armitage. Sharp-eyed viewers may have noticed that the screenplay is credited to Frank Armitage, which happens to be the same name as Keith David's character. This, of course, is a pseudonym. Carpenter wrote the screenplay, but felt it was strong enough of a collaborative effort with his future wife Sandy King, and Roddy Piper as well, that he didn't take sole credit. Instead, he lifted the name Armitage from the Dunwich Horror, a classic story by H.P. Lovecraft, whose work often involved characters being driven mad by discovering his hidden truths. Lovecraft wasn't the direct inspiration for They Live, though. Instead, Carpenter drew from another short story, Ray Nelson's 8 O'Clock in the Morning, published in 1963 and turned into a comic book in 1986. It features a character named Nada, who awakens to the fact that the world is secretly being run by snake-like aliens who control humanity's thoughts and actions. While many of the story's elements would later make it to the screen, Carpenter wisely added a few tweaks to the plot and changed a few elements to make it more believable or at least as believable as a story about magic sunglasses that let you see aliens can be. I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. The Man With No Name like the lead character of Nelson's short story, Roddy Piper's character is called Nada because he is meant to be a blank slate everyman. He is given very little backstory and is never referred to by his name in the film even once, with Nada only appearing in the credits. In the years since though, Carpenter has let it slip that the character's first name is John and that he indeed has an extensive backstory, even if the filmmaker himself doesn't know what it is. I've had a rough couple of days. In an interview, Carpenter revealed that only one man knew Nada's full origin story, Roddy Piper. Before filming, Carpenter asked Piper to come up with a backstory on his own, and further told him to never share what it was with the director, to lend his character more authenticity. True to his word, Piper never went on the record before his untimely death in 2015, meaning that Nada will always be what Carpenter intended, a mystery to everyone, even the man who wrote and directed the movie. 
the most brutal brawl in cinema history. And nearly six minutes long, the iconic alleyway fight between Nada and Frank is one of the most celebrated brawls in film history. It's been endlessly referenced, quoted, and parodied, and this inevitably brought up as a point of comparison every time new contender for the best fight scene of all time emerges. With the idea of creating a fight scene that would be completely unique in films, Carpenter turned to stunt coordinator Jeff Amada, whose work can be seen in action movies like Lethal Weapon, The Bourne Ultimatum, and Furious 7, and to Piper, drawing on his experience as a professional wrestler. The result speaks for itself, but David complimented Piper on helping to make the film more realistic, while Piper's assessment of David makes it clear that he's no slouch either. This guy, guy is like a mule. He's all out of bubblegum. Soon after Nada's unpleasant discovery about the world around him, he has a scuffle with a pair of cops and manages to get away with one of their shotguns by ducking into a building, which turns out to be a bank. As the patrons react to Nada with his shades and shotgun, he utters one of the all-time classic badass lines in cinema history. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. The line has been embedded in pop culture ever since, but it wasn't Carpenter's creation. It came directly from Piper. According to Carpenter, Piper carried a book full of one-liners that he'd used in his wrestling promos. And while he was writing the script, Carpenter lifted the best one for the scene. It's just a shame he never got to use that one on Hulk Hogan. Sticking it to Reagan. Carpenter's choice to make his heroes down on their luck homeless men up against alien invaders who all seem to be rich yuppies and, more frighteningly, politicians, underlines the film's ultimate message, which should be even clearer today than it was 30 years ago. Carpenter has gone as far as calling it a documentary about the exploitation of the poor by the upper class and an indictment of the rampant economic inequality that makes it possible, and even filmed the opening in an actual homeless settlement, paying the residents as extras. If Carpenter intended they live to be a missile lobbed at 80s materialism and excess, he's never been shy about who he saw as the ultimate symbol of that excess, President Ronald Reagan. Speaking with Starlog around the time of the film's release, Carpenter was clear on this point, calling the president and his cabinet a bunch of crooks. In the years since, Carpenter has been happy to elaborate on his contempt for Reagan whenever given the opportunity. In an interview with the Los Angeles Times in 2013, Carpenter said that he'd decided I had to make a statement and that's they live, citing the literal and figurative way that it was giving the finger to Reagan when nobody else would. Uh, right, dudes, I'm back. Um, uh, I think they were kind of alright, um, those videos. <laughs> Shit. Uh, they Live, which is absolutely about Reaganomics. Armatage. Oh, what did he... Um, oh, yeah, because he said Armitage, didn't he? <coughs> uh, right, then. So, right. Um, yeah, I've literally done no prep for today, so we'll probably go through the rabbit hole a bit, in and out. Uh, let's do a bit of unexplained. The old, the old unexplained mysteries. Uh... <coughs> Uh, right then. So, the Pentagon erroneously claims that it has no data on UFOs disabling nukes. Well, who <coughs> who would have thunk that one, eh? Don't know what you're talking about, Governor. Right, where are we? Um, 
<coughs> Former Minuteman Commander Robert Salas maintains they reported the incident to the UFO Task Force last year. Salas, it was long been attempting to raise awareness. Wobble dub dub. Wobble dub dub. Hey Dom, you come to rescue me, if you mate. <laughs> what do you want to talk? What do you want to? I'll tell you. I'll let, I'll let you pick. What do you want to talk about, Dom? Uh, well, that guy was just ranting. I just caught part of that recording, and that guy was ranting about Alex Jones and what. Yeah, that's uh, that's Bill Cooper. You you know Bill Cooper, don't you? Um, is it on a white? Is it on a pale horse? Is his book? It's supposed to be one of the best uh, conspiracy books ever, isn't it? Um, I'm not familiar with that, but there, I mean, yeah, there's. there's what you mean, Alex Jones's book or this other guy? Uh, Bill Cooper's Bill Cooper's book. Oh right, okay. No, I'm not familiar with that. But it, does Alex Jones gets a lot of shit? But apparently, there's been a lot that he's been proven right about. And there's a meme that the more time goes on, the more of Alex Jones's rantings come to be true. <laughs> it's kind of like um, it's kind of like uh, what's his name? Uh, David Icke's very similar, isn't he? Like given a yeah. long enough, given a long enough timeline, I think they'll, they'll eventually be right, won't they? <clears throat> yeah. Although uh, Alex Jones has sites, he does come with like sources and or so-called evidence, and you know, he, he does try and look at data to prove it. Whereas David Icke just he just gets it from nowhere, like he's some <laughs> kind of Messiah character. <laughs> Pulls it from yeah. the ether. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Like he predicted government agencies using cell phones and electronics to spy on people. Predicted the whole Bohemian Grove thing. Not predicted, <laughs> he was he was he covered it. I've never seen that Alex have you seen the Alex Jones when he gets to Bohemian Grove? That's supposed to be quite funny that one, isn't it? Not seen it, no, I've heard about it, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be a good he, one, he isn't actually, it? Actually well he actually went there. And um Behold a pale, about... behold a pale horse. That's it, the book, the book by Bill Cooper. All right. It's supposed uh, to be I a guess... really, really good book. I mean, he, 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 I mean, you talk about Ike. I, th I think he was. I think Ike was the inspiration for both um, Jones and um, uh, the other one. Uh, sorry, uh, Bill Cooper was the inspiration for both David Ike and um, Alex Jones. Oh right, so he was like the original. Yeah, he was doing this stuff before they were. <coughs> have you? Have also you? Were... The... Oh, got him. <coughs> I was going to say also that you know the the ex Jones was going on about the gay frogs. <laughs> they return the freaking frogs, gay. The thing is, yeah, that's I mean, actually that's... based on a re on real science, isn't it? Yeah, apparently a lot of um, birth control drugs. People like women like take these birth control drugs, piss them out. They go into the water supply. They change the gender of fish. I thought it was a frog. Fish. I thought it was one certain breed of frog, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it must. You know, there's <clears throat> sorts of aquatic or amphibious life on. Yeah, I'm but we knew we knew about that back in um, was it uh, uh, Jurassic Park taught us about that, didn't it? Because <laughs> you remember they yeah, they well, said they filled in the gaps with frog DNA. Yeah. And they said there was a frog that can change gender, didn't they? Yeah. There's well, fish can do it naturally. <clears throat> if there's a um, 
a female fish, and there's a, a certain species. If there's a female fish and a bunch of, uh, you know, males are kind of impregnating her, and mm. then um, a predator comes along and eats the female. Males have got no one to impregnate, so one of the males turns into a female. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's like yeah. that's like that's that swimmer who won that medal. <laughs> <laughs> Only not as obvious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the whole, yeah. yeah, the whole NSA surveillance. He was right about. Um, he's right about um, the fake protesters. These agent provocateurs. Oh shit! I tell you, what, have you been to a shell garage lately? Oh. Oh, interesting. If you go to a shell garage, um, have a look at the pump because um, now labelled up on all the pumps, they've basically got an injunction against any of the sort of... They've, they've actually got a high court injunction against any of the sort of stuff that um, what Extinction Rebellion do. Oh, right. So it's like you're not allowed to build structures in the entrance. You're not allowed to block the entrance. You're not allowed to like make anything on the on on the site. Like all this stuff, it's like you can sell. It's like specifically for uh, Extinction Rebellion. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's they're cracking down on protests in in general now, aren't they? Haven't they passed a bill about protests? Oh, well, it's people like these in, Extinction Rebellion idiots that uh, have caused this because we should have a right to peaceful protest. When they come up with those stupid stunts and they don't, you know, it's activists just believe in these causes and they just don't think things through, do they? Like the fucking, what's it, what? the Insulate Britain people? Well, I, I call them ins- Insulation the Rebellion because that's basically what they were, just like Poundland. And- Thingy rebellion, weren't they? Mm. But yeah, I mean, you had the the um, was it in the in the, in the, you've got the left wing and right wing extremists in the US. You got Antifa and you got QAnon. They had agent provocateurs amongst all the protests, like there's all the Black Lives Matter, George Floyd protests, and they had people in there. Well, a while ago we did a. There's there's an article in the Guardian, and I do need to find it again. It's about um, it's about the sort of groups that the police infiltrate, and and you wouldn't believe it. I mean, they they like they, it's it's like that bad. It's it's almost as bad as them like like they like infiltrate like uh, bowling clubs and things like, like crowd great bowling clubs and stuff. Like they literally don't yeah. want you doing anything that they don't know about. Yeah. But did you see there was a meme where there was a bunch of guys stood around at this some gathering and they all looked the same they all had the same chinos on same kind of like haircuts and they all had these like packs I think they had like packs which looked like these bulges in their back of their um, uh, like on the on their belts which looks like they, they had concealed weapons on them so it's like yeah there's all these memes going around saying oh yeah these guys obviously aren't feds are they (laughs) (laughs) well there was that um well i can't remember where it was but there was those um there's those guys with the predator logo on their on their outfits they're they're private security aren't they Mm. yeah some strange some strange group that um joe rogan was was on about on one of his shows um, and they were some kind of 
some kind of I don't know organization, but Freedom for America or some some group like that. But they were all kind of marching in step, like they were kind of military, like they were military trained, and yeah. and and he was he reckons they were all feds as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just reading an article on. Uh, have you seen this, this stuff about uh, UFOs um, disabling nukes? Yeah, I heard that um, they've been seen near kind of nuclear silos, and there was one in, I believe, in Russia where the um, they basically yeah, they basically turned the systems off and turned them back on again, as if to say, "Ha, oh, look what we can do," kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this guy, so a guy called Robert Salas, he said who's been long attempting to raise a raise awareness about his experiences was the on-duty commander at the underground launch facility of the Maelstrom Air Force Air Force Base back in Montana back in March 1967 when a mistake this make this makes it like more surprising to me like 1967 because it wasn't exactly like you had the internet of things back then is it <clears throat> so the airman the airman who'd been standing watch at the time had observed an object in the sky which started to zigzag around before hovering outside the front gate of the facility. Security guards described it as red glowing and saucer shaped. Within seconds, the ICBM stationed at the base had begun to, begun to report inexplicable failures. Within the next few seconds, we'd lost six to eight miss missiles to a no-go condition, said Salas. Yeah, well, I mean, there is, there is theories that these UFO sightings have become so much more prevalent since the Manhattan Project so they reckon the aliens are like well these these are these, these lot are gonna blow each other up let's uh, we better keep an eye on them kind of thing yeah do you think um, <clears throat> do you think the UFOs could be from the future because some people say they're from the future or just like a sideways dimension or something like that rather than being from actual outer space In the, like in the South Park episode Took her jobs. <laughs> Took her jobs. <laughs> Stuck my thumb up his ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean there is there is speculation. Although there's a lot of scientists believe that it's impossible to only travel faster forwards in time. It's impossible to go back in time because of the whole paradox thing, where you could kill your own grandfather. <laughs> or be your own grandfather in the case of Fry and stuff in uh, thingy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rocks. Rocks in. I mentioned his name earlier. I thought I'd got away with it. Um, uh, do, do you see? Uh, I saw something about Nick Pope. Nick Pope has said something. Where was that one? Has that disappeared? gets here uh where was that nick pope because um my old uh, my old uh co-host zero said he wanted to fight with nick pope where the hell right. that gone i saw a story about nick pope you know and now it's vanished and now my internet's being gay <clears throat> uh loch ness monster of modern history <laughs> we need we need ian on for that one but he's not allowed on on his yeah. work his work laptop, is he? John Carpenter's best expert now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did he? He didn't see anything when he was up there, did he? Well, we 
we don't know. He's keeping his cards close to his chest. <laughs> oh, right. Well, we got to wait for the reveal. Uh, <laughs> what did you think to the doorway? Did you see that one, the door doorway on Mars? No. Uh, apparently they've found they've found a, a doorway. Uh, we we did it last week. Uh, NASA image it shows what what looks like a door on Mars, but no, it's just uh, it's it's a geolo geological ph phenomenon, dude. Stop looking. I'm just uh, looking at the image now. It's. Uh, it's I mean that doesn't look random in the least, does it? No, but then there's there's. There's kind of speculation that certain. Oh, this is it, Nick. Types. Nick Pope. Zero Zero used to uh, used to call him Nick Pope, the government dope, and he used to say he said he wanted wanted to have a fight with him in a cut in a pub car park. <laughs> he said he would actually fight him. Zero definitely needs to come back. He was a good guy. Uh, so what's he said? Uh, the former MOD UFO investigator has suggested that alien monitoring devices could be disguised as common animals. Uh, one of the most prominent figures in the in the field of UFO research, Nick Pope, famously worked for the British Ministry of Defence from 1991 to 1994, during which time he was tasked with investigating reports of unidentified flying objects to determine whether or not they posed a risk to national security. Uh, he can't have been that good at it, they only had him for three years. Speaking to the Mirror recently, Pope put forward the suggestion that if advanced extraterrestrial race wanted to monitor our activities here on Earth without raising suspicion, all, all it would need to do is disguise the monitoring devices as common types of animals that nobody will look twice at. So, yeah. But good, jo oh, good job that bloke didn't kill an alien drone then, weren't it? The one who killed the pigeon. <laughs> My cat could be spying for aliens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cats are ro cats are, uh, are spying robots. So have you seen? A, there's a theory that um, the um, the uh, UFO, uh, the Pentagon released stuff about uh, UFOs. Yeah. Um, and they. Um, Tic Tac, which was released, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that was um, quite a big one, wasn't it? Yeah, but there's um, theories that um, this Tic Tac thing could be a hypersonic missile. So, uh, <laughs> a Joe Rogan episode, he had uh, Mike Baker on, who was a former CIA agent. Well. He keeps joking to him, like, say, oh, former, ha, 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 you know, like he's still working for them. And this guy <laughs> claims that Russia has hypersonic missiles, which not only do you not, you know, there's no such thing as a 20-minute warning anymore, you're just going to get hit instantly, but they can actually change direction um, in the air. Yeah. Well, so uh, there's a theory that this Tic Tac could have been one of those. Oh, uh, yeah, just kind of like... Oh, have you seen this one? There's another one from the surface of Mars that looks like wreckage. I remember seeing in the Daily Sport. Do you remember the Daily Sport? Uh, um, what, the uh, the B-52 on the moon? Uh, no, there was one that I remember seeing an article saying, you know, there's the face on, on Mars. It said, face on Mars grows beard. <laughs> <laughs> I remember B-52 found on the... Aliens put B-52 on the moon and it was one of them. Yeah. 
some do you want some news that is going to make you go oh there's a whole uh, there's a whole stuff of uh, people with things inside them uh, when, when Indiana paramedics were called out to an emergency in a rural area, they found 57-year-old chicken farmer Christopher Adams lying drunk on his henhouse floor, naked, covered in blood, with a live five-pound chicken sticking out of his rectum, clucking loudly. After unsuccessfully attempting to remove the bird there and then, they took Adams and his chicken to hospital, where the hen was ex- extracted extracted yes in a delicate seven hour operation with both man and chicken surviving the bird was dying of suffocation when it got here it had already badly lacerated the patient's bowels in a desperate attempt to get out and was still gashing at it like crazy said the hospital spokesperson the chicken suffered only minor injuries but adams needed seven blood transfusions and more than 780 stitches at the time reported adams had not regained consciousness and had been able to account for the incident but Dr. Dr. Aurelius Thomas, who carried out the operation, said, "I don't really know how the bird. Uh, I don't really know how the bird got there. Getting out was so complicated and damaging that I can't imagine that getting in could have been any fun either." Shelby County Sheriff's Department and the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals have both launched investigations, and the ASPCA have taken custody of the chicken and say they will treat it for any symptoms of post-traumatic stress. I can see how he get it in. He probably, uh, he probably uh, took some poppers oh, and they wore geez. off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about this one then? So this is the big double spread. This is one of the big double spreads in the 14 this month. Um... After after a 55-year-old man from Bihar, India, Bihar, Bihar, was admitted to a hospital with constipation and severe abdominal pain, ultrasound and x-rays pinpointed the source of the problem, a whole glass blocking his intestine. He maintained that he had accidentally swallowed it while drinking tea, but his doctors feel it is unlikely as the esophagus isn't wide enough to accommodate a glass. After attempts to pull the glass out of the man's rectum with an endoscopic tool failed, doctors had eventually had to operate to remove the item. Dr. Mohammed Al-Hassan, head of the team of operating doctors, said, How the glass got inside the body of the patient is still a mystery. <laughs> I think we can all guess. We heard oh, the one about the um, man that goes to the hospital with a light bulb stuck up his arse. Yes, and then they, uh, then they, he gets a taxi there. Then um, they, after they remove it, he comes out, and the, the taxi driver is being brought in because he he tried the same or something. What? Wow, I've heard that one. I've heard about people who have dolls' heads stuck in their ass and stuff. People, are, apparently, it's really common. Like, I reckon if you ask to ask anyone who works in A and E. I'll tell you how common it is. Oh dear. Oh no! Interdimensional lizard says in the chat. I thought you were going to say the taxi had a bump in the road and the ball broke. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, how about this one then? Slightly more honest about her situation was a 45-year-old woman in from Tunisia, admitted to the academic hospital Habib Borgabiba with a urinary tract infection. 
Scans by her doctors revealed she had an 8-centimetre, 3-inch-wide stone in her bladder. Bladder stones are usually tools too small to easily see with the naked eye, after which the patient admitted she had inserted a glass tumbler into her urethra four years before, while using it as a sex toy and had not been able to get it out. This had travelled up into her bladder and become calcified, treating the giant stone. Doctor, <laughs> creating the giant stone. Doctors operated and removed the obstruction. When they cracked it, when they cracked it open, they found the glass still intact inside. I wonder if she's using it again. Uh, after, <laughs> after two days, the woman was well enough to go home. Best treatment remains preventative by balancing the underlying ethiopathic disorder by a good sex education of doctors. Her doctors. Um, oh, God. Oh, hang on. I, I stand corrected. It yeah. wasn't up his... The, the light bulb wasn't up his arse. Someone had put it in his mouth and it, it got caught. It got stuck. It couldn't pull it out again past its teeth. His teeth ah. were We got a taxi and on his way out he saw the taxi driver be, coming in with, with the light bulb in his mouth so he'd obviously <laughs> tried it himself. So, Oh, God. curiosity, I guess. <laughs> uh... <laughs> This is one we did on JDLE. An understandably unnamed 15-year-old boy from London ended up in hospital after he, used, after he decided to use a knotted USB cable to measure the length of his penis out of sexual curiosity. So, is, is this the way... Have you ever heard this method? Put a knot in a USB cable and stick it down your bell end. Have you heard of this method, uh, Dom? So isn't, isn't that sounding... <laughs> like, it's usually it's usually a metal rod, isn't it? <laughs> Spaghetti but down no. your penis was a nineties party trick, apparently. <laughs> um, out of sexual curiosity, instead of laying it alongside his member, then measure it with a ruler, he decided the best course of action was to insert the knotted cable into his urethra, where it got stuck with both ends hanging out. So he's knotted. So he's put a what? I don't know. It's like folded in half and knotted. <laughs> so both ends were hanging out of his knob. <laughs> After oh god, this makes me cringe. This does. After several attempts to remove it in himself were unsuccessful, resulting him in urinating large amounts of blood. He called an ambulance and was rushed to hospital. There, accident and emergency staff also failed to dislodge the cable, even with special tools, and eventually operated. So this is how they got it out, making an incision between his genitals and anus. So they cut his twern that allowed him to cut away the knot and free the rest of the cable. So they so they cut cut his arse open, pushed it through, cut the knot, and then pulled it back. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, oh, God. Surprisingly, this is not the only case on record of complications caused by a urethrally inserted USB cable. There have also been two in China, one involving a 13-year-old boy... And another, a man who'd regretfully tried to imitate an extreme porn video while drunk. Elsewhere, an Indonesian man, man managed to get six feet of string stuck in his urethra. Uh, oh. In Tehran, there was a 49-year-old man who did something unwise with his urethra, inserting an AA battery. Do you imagine that, getting an AA battery down your bell end, uh, Dom? now <laughs> <laughs> he left it there for 24 hours before the pain, pain forced him to seek medical attention resulting in his case forming the basis for a paper in the journal 
in the journal Urology Case Reports. Apparently, despite successful removal of the obstruction, the man continued to experience a burning sensation when he tried to urinate and recurrence of obstructive and irritating urinary symptoms, including dysuria and decreased urinary force caused by scar tissue form due to exposure to toxic chemicals in the battery. Oh, you dickhead. Despite this, he fully recovered after six months. Uh, Right, so... (laughs) Oh, God, this one. A 54-year-old man. Like, just watch out for fucking anybody over over 50. Any of your mates doing this, Dom? (laughs) Is Ian doing this? It's like, around about 50, he's like the problem problem time of sticking stuff down your bell end, I think. (laughs) So, a 54-year-old... Go then. I'm only forty-five, so I've, I've I've got a while before I yeah yeah stage. I, yeah I've got I've got quite a while before I'm ready to start doing this stuff. A fifty-four-year-old man turned up at a hospital in the Brazilian city of Manaus, suffering from cramping, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting in small volume, and constipation. An initial anal probe in, uh, failed to reveal the cause, so doctors X-rayed the patient, described as uncooperative, and found an eight-eight-inch long four pound dumbbell jammed at the intersection of the man's rectum and colon he then admitted it had been there for two days after he'd used it for, used it for purposes of a sexual nature uh, fortunately un- the unwisely inserted item had not yet caused an anal perforation or other severe in- in- injury so medics sedated the patient and attempted to remove it with forceps this proved impossible so the team went for manual extraction which involved a surgeon reaching in with their forearm grasping the weight and waggling it out <laughs> the timely intervention meant the man was able to leave hospital after three days without complications <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I'd, I can imagine a lot of people on meth doing this kind of thing oh, the way it just seems to be like Brazil, India uh, yeah uh, so in Jaipur, India a man was stopped at the airport after acting suspiciously and found to have almost a kilogram of gold up his bottom the passenger arrived on an Air Arabia flight where officials claimed the man's manner alerted them something was amiss. They investigated a, and a personal search was carried out. The three transparent polythene capsules wrapped in white plastic were found concealed in the man's rectum. Inside the capsules were small metal granules of almost pure gold worth uh, 42,739,310 rupees. Which is four hundred, so forty-two million rupees is four hundred thirty-nine grand. An airport official confirmed the seventy-nine-one gram, the seventy-nine-one gram gold of ninety-nine point five percent purity was extracted and seized. Is it illegal to to carry that amount of gold on your person? But was it a security measure? Just um, think of his motive. Well, he's well, he's uh, he's travelling by air, isn't he? So I think you'd have to declare something like that, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, you could probably get axed on it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, so a report has been published in the Royal College Royal College of Surgeons of England Annals or Annals, as it should be, a- analysing the number a number of 
manual removal of foreign body from rectum procedures carried out by the NHS in England. It is found that between 2010 and 2019, doctors had to remove 3,500 objects accidentally jammed in patients' anuses that treating them cost the NHS an average of £340,000 a year. Uh, around 800... Like they, they slipped and, <laughs> and they accidentally landed on it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember hearing that one. You ever heard the one about the bloke goes to A and E? His, his fucking his cock's all chopped up, and he said that someone tried to rob him and mug him by grabbing his cock and chopping it up. And it turns out he was trying to shag the Hoover. <laughs> I mean, why don't they just use a dildo with a flared base? You know, like yeah, yeah. So they don't lose it. <laughs> yeah. Cheap skates, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> Around £850 per object made up the costs of the removal itself, anaesthetic drugs, time of health staff and the hospital stay. They also discovered that most of the patients were men and the largest number were in their 20s and 50s. They found that the number of increase, the, the number of incidents had been steadily increasing over the period they investigated, with all, almost almost twice as many foreign objects removed in 2018-19, 508 compared to 2010-11. So that's like about two two fifty then. The the researchers said the number was probably an underestimate as it didn't include procedures in private hospitals, and it also excluded items that got stuck in other locations. The NHS appealed to anyone exploring anal play to do so safely and to use an object with a flared base to prevent it from getting lost go. inside them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <coughs> Oh dear me, fucking crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it just—it's just a reflection of our society in general, isn't it? Yeah, it's going down. It's going downhill in a big way, isn't it? Clown world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what else is in here? One. Uh... British man, formerly known as Thomas Dodd, has reportedly changed his name to Celine Dion. <laughs> it's all coming back to him now as, as to how it happened. <laughs> oh dear. Um, Dodd told Birmingham Live that he had too few, a few too many alcoholic beverages while watching a recording of a Dion concert to change his name as a result. <laughs> I'm slightly <laughs> obsessed with her, I'm not going to lie, he said to the of the Quebec superstar singer. During lockdown, I've been watching a lot of live concerts on the TV. I only think I've been watching one of hers and had a great idea after a few drinks. <laughs> Jesus. And yeah, I've, I've done yeah, I've done things, questionable uh, things after a few drinks, but yeah, that w- that's quite an old story, that isn't it? The is um, it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, yeah, this is from 2019. Uh, what else have we got? What's this? Mum left outraged as family members claim her post-pregnancy body is enormous. <laughs> uh, oh, Mum discovered she has a second tiny vagina after being pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's... Um... There's a thing where that people can have um, like they've they've been a, a they were like t- twins in the womb and one twin was kind of absorbed into the other's body, or they have partial like 
pieces of tissue from the other twin, like an ear or something. Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can have more like teeth and teeth and a head, can't you? Yeah, we did that. We did that on the twins episode. Did you ever listen to the twins episode? No, was that about the film with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito? <laughs> It was it was partly, but it just turned into like a really gross gross list of birth defects from India. <laughs> just like just like unabsorbed twins, like because there's all kinds of different types of twins. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of yeah, like those kind of uh, conjoined twins and Siamese twins, but there's a lot of them seem to be in India for some reason. If it's just all the poverty and the pollution and whatnot, yeah, it seems to be India. If you want to go to a freak show, India is your best bet. Huh. Uh, well, the weird news that, isn't very good. Was that episode of um, his name, Carl Pil- Pilkington? He saw these sort of weird conjoined twin freaks in India, and he really took a liking to them. Oh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted, and he was with Warwick Davis, and he wanted Warwick Davis to go up and appear with them. That's why he was offended. <laughs> have, have you heard about this time traveling TikToker? Um, no. Uh, the user who posts under the name at Real TikTok Time Traveler also claimed that humans will make contact with an alien race this summer. A TikToker claiming to be a time traveller from 2236 has issued a stark warning to their followers, including a claim, claim that Europe will be struck by a deadly meteor in autumn. The user who posts under the, the name at Real TikTok Time Traveller also claimed that humans will make contact with an alien race this summer and that a hacker is coming to close down millions of social media accounts because they are against the platform. Uh, the warnings re- read. Read, many people still don't believe me. I am a real time traveller from the year 2236 and I've come to this date and time to warn you about upcoming events this year. On July on July 7th, humans are going to have their first real contact with an alien species called Arzax on the south side of Alaska, United States. On, thir- on August 13th, a hacker, a hacker by the name of Stack will delete over 36.7 million TikTok accounts due to their strong beliefs against social media. Uh, on October the 12th, there will be a dead, deadly meteor named the Dra- named the Draconids, which will hit Europe, causing many casualties. The clip has gained more than 5,000 likes since it was posted at 1am on May 18th. A meteor would kill all of us, wouldn't it, if it was that big? Um, how big was it? It doesn't say, it just says it a deadly meteor. Yeah. Well, I mean, they reckon there's the one in um, Central America that wiped the dinosaurs out. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of TikTok, so you ever see that at your mum's house? You know, I think I posted a link to it. No, I haven't seen that so one. Yeah, it's uh, two, two comedians, and they do... Um, it's like a husband and wife team, and they're both comedians, and, and um, the wife curates these these TikToks and some on for everyone to laugh at. You just won't believe the fucking idiots that are on TikTok. <laughs> and uh, they call them cool guys. Usually like the people they've got like no teeth because they've been doing meth or they've got like one eye looking at the wrong direction and the other eye. <laughs> and just they just and then they, they have another show with uh, um, Dr. Drew and he analyzes them and, and 
kind of tries to diagnose what's wrong with these people. It's quite funny. The weird news isn't that good. No, they used to have some really good ones on there. Fucking hell. Rare banknote found in charity shop sells for 1,400 times its original value. What's this one? Uh, from the Par Palestine Currency Board. A rare £100 banknote found in a charity shop was sold online for 140000 Uh Paul Wyman was vo volunteering in Oxfam when he spotted an unusual banknote in a box of donated items. The £100 Palestine Pounds is one of less than 10 known to exist and was issued to high-ranking officials during the time of the British Mandate in Palestine in 1927. Savvy Paul, who found the note in the Brentwood branch at Essex, decided not to put it on the shelves and contacted an auction house where experts valued it at 30000 But it sold for a, sta a staggering 140000 when it went under the hammer at Spink Auction House in London. I actually had a load of banknotes from all over the world because... Um... Dad used to travel all over the world for his job. Yeah. And um, so I thought, oh, fuck it. I'll... Uh, they were kind of a novelty to have all these notes. But one day I just thought, oh, fuck it. I'll just exchange them, some money back for them. <laughs> and um, I had one from Myanmar, which used to be Burma. Yeah. And yeah, they they refused. They would think it was worth quite a lot, but they refused to exchange it because apparently it's illegal to take it out of the country. So. No, it's. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grand slams Amazon for ridiculous joke packaging after Garden Tool arrives in six foot box. Yeah, they are fucking ridiculous with their. Packages. They do that sometimes, don't they? Yeah. Uh. So it's a digging. All it was was a digging bar. Oh, like a little trowel. Uh, one point two meters long. Oh well, can oh, I can imagine? I should imagine they don't. They didn't have like a one meter long box, one point two meter long box. I should imagine that there's like a half decent reason for that, though, isn't there? Isn't six foot about same as one point two meters anyway? Uh, six foot? No, I don't think so. No, six foot's probably yeah. Meters. Isn't it, isn't it they were like 1.8 or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? I'll put my dog's poorly do I'll put my boyfriend's poorly dog down without permission and I'll do it again. <laughs> nice! <laughs> this is supposed to be weird news. Woman stalked by a ghost that dragged her downstairs has become spirit hunter. Debbie McCall, 51, was stalked for an entire year by a troubled spectre that spied on her and even dragged her down the stairs before she finally faced her fears. The woman who was stalked for an entire year by a troubled spirit that dragged her down the stairs has told how she became a ghost hunter. This is what I love about newspapers, you know, when they when they do the bit and then they make and then they make do the bit again. They repeat the headline in the story. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Uh, Debbie McCall, 51, even met the love of her life after facing her fears, who who she now takes on paranormal dates. Now an experienced investigator of everything from haunted castles to dungeons and tunnels, Debbie realised the spirit had attached himself to her in 2012. 
After a local church refused to banish him, she sought help from a medium who advised her to let go of the negative energy that was attracting it. Now, Debbie of Portsmouth said this has helped her regain control of her life. She has also led to her soulmate, Emily Cowell, 38, a service manager who she met at a seance in Fort Whitley in 2020. Debbie said she has the same passion for the paranormal as me, and whenever we can, we work together. Our date nights are paranormal investigations instead of dinners. We prefer them. Uh, I met Emily as a cust customer of Ghost to Ghost, <laughs> a paranormal investigations group. Points, points for that name, uh, Dom? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I found it in 18. We love our paranormal day nights. They're unconventional, but they're our passion, and we have as many as we can. Bit boring now, I've got to say. Um, here's one. Penis plant at risk of extinction as people are urged to stop picking them. <laughs> um, oh, fuck, it's giving me the... Yeah, um, sorry, it's got that stupid pop-up with the. Uh, oh yeah. Do you want blah blah bloody blah, isn't it? Yeah. So-called penis plant in Cambodia is on the verge of extinction as the government issues warning. Why are the phallic plants so irresistible? Um. Actually, does look like a, a penis. Um, <laughs> neighbor, neighbor confuses old trampoline for elderly man and well in the street. I'll have to put this one up. This is funny. Uh, right. So, new tab. Where is it? Uh, oh, where is it? It's just uh, oh, it's just this picture of like a. Uh, girls holding these penis plants <laughs> oh is there you got a link to that um yeah it's a, it's a uh, yeah so look <laughs> that old trampoline they thought it was an old man <laughs> hang on they thought an old man they thought the trampoline was an old man yeah yeah look can you see it there I'll just put it on. It's on the stream. All I can see is. Oh, it's got the ad ad blocker thing. On. Oh, that'll go in a sec. Oh yeah, he kind of yeah. Kind of look for it like <laughs> he's like just leaning against the wall. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he's just getting a breather. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, where shall I post, post this link? I'll post it in general. It's better. Uh, right, let's have a look. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> that fucking thumbnail. Oh, God, they are horrific, aren't they? <laughs> dirty, dirty girls. It's like these people, they're becoming extinct because everyone's like picking them to take photos with them. Oh, oh, look at this. And then just probably just chucking them somewhere. <laughs> Woman public enemy number two after walking into beauty shop and pooing in the aisle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> a 
dead woman bangs on coffin to say she's alive during her own funeral. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that, isn't there? They, I think the Victorians used to have a like a could pay for a um, bell system, wasn't there? Bell, yeah, bell that you could pull. It's, um, uh, called a catatonia, isn't it? You appear dead, but yeah. you're not. I don't know, the, the pop-up blockers let, let me put the video on. So, a funeral in Peru was dra dra dramatically interrupted after knocking was heard from within a coffin. Uh, oh, God, she'd been in a serious crush, and she'd obviously been... They just pronounced, they pronounced her dead, so... Uh, she was just in the coma. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll, be, they'll be getting those over for the, uh, for the NHS, won't they, those people? Jesus Christ. Huge bottle of scotch is bigger than a bath is set to sell for one and a half million. The largest bottle of scotch in the world, standing taller than most men at 5'11", is, is set to sell for well over a million pounds at auction. Uh, yeah, fucking hell. 311 litres of it. Oh, fucking thing. Uh, angry Yuri Geller says he knows aliens exist because he held a UFO piece in his hands. <laughs> oh, God. Psychic Spoonbender has blasted US defence chiefs and said his close encounter with UFO... Uh, Debris in 1974 proved to him the existence of alien life. He's a crank, isn't it? Do you believe him or not? Oh, I remember like one point someone put him on the spot who was interviewing him, and you know normally, but he gives out his little spoon prop and then bends it. They gave him a normal spoon and said, "Here, bend this." <laughs> like, oh, my psychic energies aren't working right now, you know. <laughs> Oh god, have you seen? Uh, you, did you hear about the guy that's uh, he's terminally ill and he mooned at a speed camera and they arrested him? <laughs> did you hear that story? Oh, I would probably do this similar shit if I was terminally ill. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so he was later bailed, then interviewed under caution in January. He's now been charged over his reaction to being arrested and will appear before magistrates in May. Daryl claims the charges are trumped up and that police are looking for any little thing to get me on. He said, this is an escal escalation of what they've done. You can't keep changing it and altering it until you find something that fits. What are they going to cut with next? They're literally looking for any little thing to get me on. I pulled my trousers down and spooned, mooned at a speed camera. That's all I did. They're essentially admitting there was no offence committed in the first place. There was nothing on this charge sheet saying I committed any initial offence whatsoever. Why were they kicking the living daylights of me in the back garden if there was no offence committed? So, so this is after they bashed my doors in, causing thousands of pounds worth of damage for no good reason. The police escalated and I'm furious about it. I never thought it would get to this point. It's a case of bullying and they're trying to get anything they can, probably, can possibly get to get me. I dread to think how much taxpayers' money is costing to do this. I mean, is that not... Does that not count as indecent exposure? Uh, yeah, kind of. But but the police have said they haven't. I don't know. Maybe. Uh... Does yeah. That have to, is that only if you pull your willy out? I mean. 
Fucking hell. He said, I got got out the car, flashed my bum, pulled my trousers up and got back in the car. I didn't think anything of it. It was a good laugh. Came home. Within 20 minutes, there was a police van outside. I was too scared to go out. It was quite frightening, really. Hang on. How was it caught on speed camera? Because his car would be... If he got out of his car to do it, his car would be stationary. Yeah. But they literally... You seen the picture where they just got him on the floor and they're kicking the shit out of him? Yeah, well... Here's the arrest. Look, four four coppers fucking piling on him. Yeah, well. Look at that. Look. Terminally, he's got Parkinson's disease and he need and he needs a wheelchair. Poor bleeder. Look at that. Fucking right gaggle of cops. Like all he did was moon a camera. Go fucking grip you miserable bastards. So that's that. Uh, yeah. So he's 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 fucking. Things are getting worse for him. He only wanted to do something for his but his uh, his bucket list, didn't he? And ends up with ends up with all that fucking grief. Mm. Bet it was a Met as well. I should imagine it was. Uh, uh, Paul Bugger. I don't know. That's fucking. Why do they need? Is that? Did you resist arrest? Oh, as as much as as much as a man with Parkinson's that that's in a wheelchair can resist arrest. Oh was God! In his home. Vladimir Putin won't be too happy with name a daughter's boyfriend. <laughs> Katerina T- Tikhanova for that 35 is in a relationship with Russian ballet dancer I- Igor Zelensky <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be Zelensky <laughs> oh dear me uh, <laughs> it, don't, it don't rain but it pours doesn't it <laughs> it reminds me of um, Bottom Eddie Hitler and when people say any relation, he just says yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the weird news here? Oh God! Jesus Christ didn't die. Has forgotten crucifixion identity switch story revisited. So uh, change places with some other other person. Yeah. Oh, did you hear about the witches? There's a there's a big battle of the witches between Russia and Ukraine, isn't there? Well, they're cursing each other. Yeah, yeah, they're cursing each other. So it's that region that has the um, Abu Yagar um, claws, isn't it? Uh, are you thinking of Baba Vanga? Oh, well, I suppose it depends on how. Russia, it's the the, the she's the the she's the uh, the blind uh, psychic, the Russian. No, one. no, it's it's no, no. This oh, is you're talking about the bogey, one. like their version of the bogeyman, isn't it? Yeah, she has like a hut that's on chicken legs and shit. <laughs> yeah, they probably a lot of people probably still believe in it, especially in the rural areas. 
Because apparently Baba Baba Vanga, who is a is who's a psychic, she conspiracists claim that she said Vladimir will be Lord of the World. A blind blind psychic who said to have predicted nine eleven once made a prediction that as she suggested a Russian named Vladimir could become Lord of the World, conspiracists believe. Baba Vanga died in the mid nineties, but her lifetime gave many prophecies, some of which have been matched up to real life events. Now as the Russian president continues his invasion of Ukraine as and has threatened nuclear war the mystics insights have come to life life once more according to birmingham live in a meeting with writer valentin sidorov baba vanga said all will thaw as if ice only one will remain untouched vladimir's glory the glory of russia too much it is brought in a victim nobody can stop russia all will be removed by him from the way and only will will he be kept but also become lord of the world according to the daily post but Baba Vanga predicted a glorious future for Russia on a different occasion during her life. Yeah, but A, she's Russian, so she would say that. Yeah. B, isn't Vladimir like every second folk's name in Russia? It's like Vince, isn't it? Or Keith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a lot of, um, like, a lot of Nostradamus's, um, came true only because they were just so vague in the first place that you could apply anything to them yeah are you seeing this one uh, SpaceX live stream abruptly cuts when mysterious UFO spotted near rocket that viewers baffled oh uh, Nostradamus he's mentioned there Nostradamus predicted France will go to war with Eastern power in 2022 So they'll they'll be dragged into the Russia thing. I should imagine somebody's going to step out of line soon, aren't they? Uh, did you? I think we did this last week, but you've heard about the monkeys, haven't you? The monkeys have gone to war with the dogs. Mon- monkeys have gone to war with the dogs in in India, haven't they? They're they're, they're stealing puppies and throwing <laughs> them off roofs because uh because they're um uh do- because a dog killed a baby monkey or something. Well, it kind of stands to reason because out there, stray dogs and monkeys are much like rats, aren't they? So, I'd imagine there'll be a uh, no a struggle between them. McDonald's customer disgusted after finding nipple in bacon roll. I don't want. I don't want to. I just not don't want to know. Oh, I got got Professor Brian Cox discussing ghosts with Lorraine. Uh, UK's UK's most haunted village po- boasts one ghost for every eighty nine for every eighty nine residents. A village in Kent, which once earned a spot in the Guinness Book of Records as the most haunted category, allegedly boasts one ghost sighting for every eighty nine residents. With Halloween just round the corner, you can see how old this is then. Pumpkins are popping up everywhere, carved with scary grimaces. The tradition of dressing up and celebrating on October 31st each year is believed to have originated from the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. People would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. One picturesque village in the English countryside seemingly drew the short straw when it came to attracting ghosts. Pluckley, a village around five miles west of Ashford in Kent, has been dubbed the most haunted in the UK. 
The village earned a place in the 1989 Guinness Book of Records for being the most haunted village in Britain after 12 different alleged sightings. The category, however, is no longer in use by Guinness. Pluckley boasts more ghost sightings per person than any other village in the country, according to Kent Live. In the 2011 census, Pluckley had a population of 1,069, which equates to one ghost per 89 residents. Uh, the mirror, however... Have you heard of the, the, the theories of why, uh, why there, there are um, ghost sightings? Uh, which ones? Um, a lot of it could be down to well, there's carbon monoxide poisoning <laughs> can lead to hallucinations, and there's um, I think it's like magnetic fields and certain frequencies of sound, like a fan that spins at a certain you know that mm. gives off a certain sound frequency, all can cause you know these horrible feelings of terror in you. So there's yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of explanations for it. Because they don't they say but, in cities that it could be like the rumble of like traffic noise. Uh, yeah, yeah, can do things like a that too. A lot of sound pollution, and I think it's is it 17 hertz? It's the the frequency that is that is that uh, the brown noise, Dom? No, 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 I think that's a different one. So <laughs> normally. Normally, I don't know. People do shit themselves when they see a ghost, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so the the Mirror, however, reported last year the village is home to fifteen ghosts, one per seventy one residents. It has been lo- the location of a series, been location for a series of supernatural television programs, including Most Haunted and Ghostly Legends. It was also the setting of ITV drama series The Darling Buds of May, which starred David Jason and Catherine Zeta Jones. Tourists and amateur ghost hunters still flock to the spooky village from across the country in search of just one of the ghouls. Local resi- resident Julie Halliday told Kent Online of one particular spirit in 2019. She spoke of a young girl called Elizabeth, believed to have been plastered into the walls of the Black Horse pub by her evil nanny. A lot of people say hair gets pulled. Oh, no, there's an alarm going off. A UFO story here. Apple spot five glowing UFOs flying in a row across the night sky over Oklahoma. Apple believe they have seen UFOs after recording the moment they saw five glowing orange lights in a row. Right, I'm back. I had to silence the alarm on my van. (laughs) Alright, I was just, just, I just found one about, um, couple have spotted five glowing UFOs flying in a row across the night sky over Oklahoma. It occurred on May 12th, 2022. Uh, For some reason the video won't load though. Mm. Uh, They spotted the objects flying above Norman, Oklahoma on May 12th. Willed by what they saw, they sent what they managed to record of the site. Taiwan-based truth seeker Scott C. Waring took a look at the clips for his YouTube channel. Describing the 
footage they sent to UFO sightings daily. The bloke said, My wife and I saw an orange in colour object flying from the south and disappeared as it travelled north. Ooh. I have four different videos of four different objects. I was not able to get the first one on video since I did not have my phone. Chalked it up to a shooting star until another one appeared, followed by three more objects. It made no sound at all. Um, analyzing the footage, self-professed UFO expert Waring wrote, Guys, this is awesome. This raw footage just came and it shows five glowing objects passing over an eyewitness yard. Ob objects move away and then suddenly disappear in the distance. These objects are allowing him to see them. The UFOs want to be seen. They are very po close to the power lines and may be trying to tap into our communication networks to learn more about humanity. Yeah, or let's, they're let's say they don't, let's say they don't go on Twitter. They won't learn a lot, will they? <laughs> well, they will. They'll learn about the uh, all the below, below 100 IQ people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tsunami warning for, warning for London. World War Two shipwreck is packed with explosive and is ticking time bomb. An American World War Two shipwreck packed with 1,400 tons of explosives poses a tsunami threat to London. Has been labelled a ticking time bomb. Ten tens of miles of beautiful beaches and bays occupy the Kent coastline, overlooking the English Channel and the Thames Estuary. Beneath the surface, however, lay some potent risks. To the, land, to the Garden of England and nearby London. The SS Richard Montgomery was an American Liberty ship that sank and split in two, and split in two during a storm in the Thames Estuary off the Sheerness during World War Two. That was a bit of a ship boat then, wasn't it? And it's remained there ever since. It might have one storm and your fucking war, ve war vessel's fucked. That was a bit shit, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think they'd... Yeah. <laughs> uh, World War Two. I don't know, yeah boats that could weather storms. Yeah, but it's in the Thames there. estuary. Like, it's not, it's yeah, not yeah, even yeah. like it's like out at sea, is it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's rubbish. We're bloody yanks. It sits a mere 1.5 miles from the shore with its rusting masts, which rise eerily, eerily from the water visible from land. To this day... 77 years on, it's mon monitored 24 hours a day and 7 days a week by port authorities. The 440-foot-long ship is subject to a 500-metre exclusion zone. The disturbing cargo, which remains on the ship, some 1,400 tonnes of high explosives, in theory, could explode at any point. Uh, BBC reported in 2015 that should it explode, it, it could cause one of the most devastating non-nuclear peacetime explosions ever seen. Surely those explosives, after being under the sea for all that time... Could still explode. What would set them off? I don't know. That's the thing, isn't it? Uh, what is it? Uh, collision with another vessel. Collision with another vessel could sufficiently sub disturb the munitions aboard to produce the conditions necessary for a mass explosion. Owing to the exclusion zone, which is marked by navigational buoys with lights and similar. Additional smaller boys in between, this is unlikely. Yep, it's health and safety gone mad. Yeah. 
so they're saying it would level sheer nests and a 30 or 40 foot wave would breach sea defences. Sheppey's got a population of 25,000 people. Where would they go? A report published in 2000 by the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency revealed there are holes in the ship. This thought 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 due to its uh, deterioration. All I want to know is, is the Republic of Sealand safe? <laughs> Where is the <laughs> Republic of Sealand? Somewhere in the North Sea. It's like a, I think it was like a helicopter platform with a... They, oh, right, uh, okay. Didn't uh, someone try to um, set up a society there or something, didn't they? Yeah, someone is is the prince of it. Doesn't live there, but there's a caretaker who lives there. And it's like, yeah, it's got like several levels and... Yeah, so it's... And it, it's in international waters, so he's sort of... I think he's like the prince of Sealand or some some weird title. Um, weirdest things Brits do in the bathroom including eating breakfast in the shower <laughs> surely I'd make your toast all soggy wouldn't it <laughs> oh come on open up stupid thing this one experts reveal what happens when you die terrible creatures to crazy deja vu theory I think we touched on this when we were gibbering on about DMT yeah. Uh, what happens when you die? For some, the question is all about the science and the effect on a person's body, but for others, it's about the mystery of where we go when we leave this mortal coil. This is what those in the know say. Not the cheeriest topic of conversation, but it's fascinating nonetheless. What happens when you die? Science can only take us so far when trying to answer one of life's great unanswered questions. Instance, doctors might be able to tell us what happens to a body physically when a heart beats its last beat. But the deeper mystery lies in the question of what happens to a person's soul if such a thing exists mm -hmm. when they leave this mortal call. And our best chance of answering that probably involves listening to those who have died and come back. Uh, here we've taken a look at what some top neurologists and doctors have to say on the subject. But we've also looks at what those who claim to have seen the afterlife say. Surreal out-of-body experiences and strange beings to unrivaled serenity. This is what they say. <laughs> so, do you want to know the top 40 unusual things that people have done in the bathroom? Okay, go on. Right, we've got cried, uh, read a book, had sex, hid in there to avoid people, tried on new clothes and shoes, phoned friends and loved ones, washed the dog, fallen asleep in the bath, had a cup of tea, hung the washing to dry, sang in the mirror, given themselves a pep talk, <laughs> played online games, painted their toenails, answered work emails, streamed a, t streamed a TV show in the bath, planned the weekly food shop, played video games, written to-do lists, watched the news, played games while sat on the toilet, like throwing a toilet roll into the bin, <laughs> taken or edited photos, fantasised about a scenario in the mirror, had a dance, had a beer, streamed a TV show on the loo, exercised, practised the speech, had a sleep on the floor. I think we've all done that one, haven't we? You ever done the uh, drunken waking up on the bathroom floor? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Stood I on. Also, 
Got them. Well, so there's also uh, others. Uh, I saw a TikTok or, s or something of people who uh, made punch in a toilet bowl. And nice. Personally, what, what I've done in the bathroom is um, stare in the mirror on acid and watch my face get older and then younger, like <laughs> co constantly. <laughs> uh, there's there's a few more. So they stood on the side of the bath or toilet to see their whole outfit or shoes. Had a business idea. Answered the phone to their boss. Fallen asleep on the loo. I've, I've, I haven't done that. I've got to. I haven't fallen asleep on on the pooper. Uh, done some washing up. Who does washing up in their bathroom? Reenacted a part of their day in the mirror. Sent a message on a dating app. Given houseplants a spa day. Taken a video call on the loo. Taken a video call in the bath. And forty forty painted or drawn something. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I mean, if you're struggling to get out, you know, if you've got a, a, a difficult shit, do something in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, don't have, I don't have a smartphone, so I still do the old cr classic of eating the ingredients on shampoo bottles and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, um, yeah, yeah, because my, my, my missus, she knows someone who had a heart attack, and... Apparently, the thing that you have to—one of the things you have to do after a heart attack—is you can't push in the slightest. So you just have to sit in the to sit on the toilet and let let nature take its course, which can You're take right. some time. Yeah. Well, there are. Uh, uh, you know how um. Apparently, it's more natural to squat down when you shit, but you can get these kind of. These platforms, so your feet are up. Apparently, <laughs> it's how the in the Eastern world they shit. It's, it allows the. Oh, is that why toilet seats get broken? Guess so. Yeah. Uh... People, people will like people like from India or places like that who come over here, literally on their feet on the toilet seat and squat down. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh dear. Um, did you know Elvis Presley's DNA has been used in an experiment to genetically engineer mice after his death? Uh, to do what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Well, basically, they just took a little, right little mouse in a jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> a little mouse shaking its hips. Recently resurfaced accounts from 2012. Reveal how the musicians did genetic material was used in an experiment to create a mouse Elvis hybrid. <laughs> oh dear. Artist Kobe Barhad's project, All That I Am, employed the idea of using some of the king's hair to insert his genetic code into a mouse. Uh, what are they saying? They shoved the hair up his ass or something. Um, the artist told BBC New NBC News the purpose of the work is to raise those almost frightening issues. Kobe purchased, purchased a sample of Elvis hair on eBay for $22 before researching two companies that could, in theory, sequence Elvis's DNA. He found sequencing firm GeneTrack Biolabs, an ingenious targeting laboratory, which produces made-to-order mice. The artist also des designed several cages which he hoped would represent the various stages of the king's life. The sections represented included his relationship with his mother, his childhood of poverty and his birthplace Tupelo and finally inclined 
and finally an inclined treadmill to show the, mu the musician's furious work rate before his death. Kobe told Wired, I've always been fascinated with humanity's eternal need to, to quantify and define life. Be it biology or physics, philosophy or biography, psychology or fiction, from Frankenstein to the, the God particle. In my, in my research, I came across a private lab service that offers mice that are genetically modified for your needs. Kobe said he kicked off the project by sourcing the hairs of Elvis, Princess Diana and former US President John F. Kennedy, who were cultural icons that died before their time. Oh, he had you. He had you. They were made a myth, glorified to the point where they became a utopian model. From these three, Elvis is the ultimate symbol of the amount of sometimes ridiculous effort we put in as a society keeping those models alive. The artist team... Go on then. It's just, this is, I mean, they're using scientific processes. The things, the, the, the wonders they could do with DNA, they use it for some tentious artistic wank. Uh, it gets even worse than that, because I've just read ahead. Uh, the artist teamed up with researchers from Imperial College London to test his own hair and cheek swabs to confirm it was possible to extract DNA from hair. His concept, con concept to produce his so-called Elvis Mouse model featured in Trinity College Dublin's Science Gallery's Grow Your Own grow your own life after nature exhibit however it's remained just the concept and so far the king's dna has not been inserted into mice at the weekend sally hodel spoke about her own efforts to humanize elvis in her new book she told the observer elvis is seen as a le as a le less or more than human like an image and he's been reduced to this rock and roll guy who died in his bathroom for taking too many pills <laughs> crazy i mean he was like the the first first person to go through the kind of globals of superstar icon process and the amount of he was like one of the, the pioneers of having to deal with the being a celebrity basically wasn't yeah, he was. Yeah, he was one. Of, it was like it was like him and the him and the Beatles were the proto uh, pop stars, weren't they? The huge pop stars. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, yeah, and the Beatles as well. They would. They couldn't even hear their own. Their own monitors at their concerts because it was just girls screaming, and nobody could even hear their music. It's like, what the fuck. <laughs> Imagine that, like you pay pay good money to it to get fucking Beatles tickets, so you can't hear a word of it. Yeah, I mean, about, I can imagine it. If you're a girl, you get you like, and your panties all wet and screaming with all the other girls. Yeah, that's great. But what if you're a bloke who likes who just likes their music and you go to one of their concerts and it's like, can't fucking hear them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy your concert? What concert? I couldn't hear a fucking word. <laughs> uh, you've done the mirrors weird news section, haven't you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you not do the one about the uh, the bloke who broke into a school and had sex with a sheep? Oh, no, I was going to look at that. No, no, can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a look at that one. <laughs> fucking weirdo. What am I going to look at? Uh, not the exp oh, fucking hell, that one's going to open, isn't it? I'll tell you what's going on with my internet tonight. I think I've got too many tabs open. 
continue the what happens when you die one for a bit. Uh, yeah, um, you can do. We'll have a look at... Uh, see if we'll find are, some more stories. There are five stages, apparently. This is that there's a sudden change, and from one instant to another, all pain is gone. All anxiety is gone, all fear is gone, all noises are gone. Just peace, calmness, and tranquility. Some report joy. Uh, the second stage is an out-of-body experience where people feel like they're flying above themselves end up seeing themselves lying down on the stretcher. So there's reports about that where people have seen, flied, flew above themselves and seen things on top of shelves that they couldn't see from their bed and then described it later what they saw and it was accurate. So which is a bit strange. Uh, and the third stage feels comfortable for 98 to 99 percent of people but up to two percent of people describe terrible noises terrible smells and terrible creatures in stage four he says patients often describe seeing lights that start to shine into the into the complete blackness and that is very warm very bright and very attractive he adds that around 10 percent of near Death survivors witness beautiful surroundings, beautiful colours, some say beautiful music, and the feeling of unconditional love. This is the fifth stage. So yeah, I, like I, I was speculating before, that very much sounds like a probably DMT being released into the brain. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because they didn't they they they. They they happened to have a guy on a machine while he died, didn't they? Because I think we read that read that out a little while ago. Yeah. Right. So, uh... <laughs> parasitic worms get sucked into gender bias row amid claims of names being sexist. <laughs> God. <laughs> A uh, woman gives birth at Metallica show as band plays Enter Sandman. Uh, boy of four what? crashes his mother's car after taking it for a joyride. What's that about names being sexist? Because these days, everything you do, yeah, everything is sexist and everything is racist, according to the left, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, just wait. These, like, they, these are like parasitic worms that got named. Oh, so the naming of them is sexist. Yeah, they've given them, like, bigoted names. Oh, my fucking browser is dog shit. Uh, right, so... Scientists suggest sexism, nepotism and cronyism is rife when it comes to naming new species of blood-sucking parasitic creatures. Uh, parasitic worms have been sucked into the gender bias row after a report claimed the naming of the creatures was sexist. A team of scientists led, led by parasitologist Robert Paulin scoured studies in eight journals published between 2000 and 2020 around 2,900 species were discovered during that period with 200 in 2007 alone however of the 596 species named after eminent scientists only 111 or 19% recognised women according to the experts from New Zealand's University of Otago and of 71 scientists honoured in the Latin names of two or more species, only eight were women. 
Eight scientists who had lent their names to six or more species were men. Oh, we found consistent gender bias among species named out. Maybe it's the people discovering them. Just maybe, just maybe it is. Maybe it's because the people discovering them were all men. And <laughs> the, the, the percentage that were named after women was because they named it after their own wives. <laughs> and if you discover a new species, you can name it whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Dickheads. <laughs> Absolute fucking dickheads. This is just so you know. I'm written by some blue haired lesbian. Yeah, yeah, fucking miserable bastards, aren't they? <laughs> oh dear. Uh, right, so I think I'm about done. Right, it's nearly nine o'clock. I'm done. I'm knackered. Uh, night all. Night. Stay spoo.